welcome to the Madden America podcast, your source for science, psychiatry, and social justice. Welcome to the Madden America podcast. This is Derek Blumke, editor of Veterans and Military Initiatives, and I'm here with Dan Hurd of Ride with Dan USA and uh, One Pedal at a Time movement. So, um, Dan, thanks a lot for joining. Welcome to the show. Welcome to one of our first episodes of Veterans for Madden America. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. So I'm going to do a quick background on yourself, and I'd love for you to tell tell your story. Uh, Dan, you uh, started this bike ride where you are biking to every single state in the 48 contiguous states to raise awareness for suicides. You're a Navy veteran. You started this ride with Dan USA, which you can find on his website, and uh, the One Pedal at Tide movement. Uh, I'd love for you to kind of tell your background, tell your story, and kind of how you wound up doing this. Uh, so yeah, for me, it was a lot of different factors, but um, essentially I attempted suicide three times. And after my third attempt, I was planning a fourth when a friend of mine got me on a bicycle. During that time, I was in the process of getting off medications and just trying to figure out what I needed to do to better my life. And bicycling did that for me. And uh, this journey was about visiting as many people I said in the military with as I could. And so it really started kind of like a reunion tour with a lot of old friends and then it was more so a reunion tour but it was definitely it was for my own well-being it wasn't I, when i started this it was to focus on myself never mind help other people obviously since then it's it's grown and it's become about helping other people as i heal myself as well but it's really just you know it's one pedal at a time it's taking that initiative and showing people that we can survive anything with nothing and that we need to talk about what causes the suicide attempts and what causes these um, increase that we're having, especially in the last five to 10 years, the increase in the amount of suicides that happen through veterans and through uh, general population. And um, I want to be that one of those people that, you know, bring that voice to bring that up to the limelight and make people understand that this is something that's serious mm-hmm. and uh, not wait for it to get to, Oh, you know, unfortunately a lot of people think it, oh, it won't happen to my family. And uh, I don't want it to get to that point for those people. And uh, the only way we can do that is by working as a, a movement. And that's why it's the one pedal at a time movement. Is We have to do it as a community. And community makes a movement. And that movement is what's going to bring change. So I, I, it's really inspiring what you're doing. I actually saw uh, what a, a news article that featured you in, in my hometown area in northern Michigan. And I was in Detroit at the time. And I reached out to you on Facebook and said, hey, this is really interesting. I'd love to sit down and talk with you. I'm, I'm really excited to hear about your ride. And I'm really glad that we did because we've had some really great conversations over the past day or two. So I'd, I'd love you to tell, tell us more about your experiences. Uh, you talked about your focus on suicide awareness. I'd love for you to talk to, to us about how you got to this mission, um, your own personal experiences that led you to this. because. Uh, this is a pretty serious initiative and it's not something that somebody just wakes up one day and says, Hey, I'm going to go ride around the country on my bicycle for suicide awareness. Yeah. For me personally, uh, being a veteran, obviously that has some stuff to do with it, but so you were in the Navy. Yeah. I was in the Navy. Okay. And I did four years active duty. Uh, I enjoyed my time. Not always the things that we had to do, but the people's, and that's why I wanted to reconnect with these people is they were more of a family to me than my own family. So, the camaraderie and everything else that was involved in it. Um, but a lot of my stuff actually occurred before the service. Mm-hmm. Um, so being a childhood, uh, I was molested as a child uh, by multiple people, uh, dealt with early age drug use. From there, went into foster care system, was put on medication because of misdiagnosis of being bipolar, mm-hmm. um, depressant, insomnia, all these different categories and pretty much throwing pills at me until I was 17 mm-hmm. uh, when I decided I wanted to really get into the military. And uh, unfortunately, that was where my first suicide attempt was. It was about six months after I got off my medications, about six months before I joined the military, I just had a mental breakdown and just felt worthless. Um, but it was also the first time in my life that I, I had clarity in a sense. I understood what, what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And was realizing a lot more things that I didn't realize because of the medications I was on. I was, I was zombified is the best way for me to put it. I just was going through the motions of life, but didn't care what was going on and what 
what was affecting it because I was on the medications. Doctors said I was going to be okay. And I just listened to what I was just doing what I was told to do and listening to what they were telling me was working. So fast forward. So you, uh, you had your first suicide attempt, uh, not long before entering the military. Um, then you went in, did four years in the Navy as a diesel mechanic. Yes. So, so what did you like? What, what did that entail, and where, where did you go to do that? So I did two tours. We went over uh, to the Gulf. I did Kuwait and Iraq. And so you're in Navy. So I'm assuming you're on a boat. I was on a boat most of the time because of my job and because of the stuff that we did. I worked a lot with the Marines and a little bit with the Army. Okay. Um, pretty much, if it had a diesel engine, I worked on it. Pretty much, if it, if it had any moving parts on it, I dealt with it. Uh, didn't mean it doesn't mean I just worked on diesel engines. I did everything from hydraulic systems to steering systems, steam, mm-hmm. uh, water filtration. Did gunman. Uh, I did two forty uh, uh, gunners. So I pretty much if it moved and had anything that moved in it, I worked on it. So it sounds like a pretty exciting four years. Yeah, it actually was probably the best four years of my adult life. Yeah, uh, since like uh, since being. Uh, from teenager to actual adult, yeah, because um, I wasn't really on medications. I was self-medicating with uh, alcohol, yeah. unfortunately. But I was in the, a good mindset um, from even from my first suicide attempt in seventeen, and I never considered it the entire time I was in the Navy. Things were good, and then I unfortunately wasn't allowed to reenlist because of the downsides in the military. And it had nothing to do with you. That was just the, just like I got out of the Air Force in two thousand five. That they were cutting troop strength across the board and just uh, in order to reduce total cost to the Department of Defense. Yeah. Their their quickest way of cutting costs is cutting headcount. Cutting headcount. And pretty much once you finish a contract, there's a program called PTS, which literally a computer took analytics of your information and Mm -hmm. either said yes or no. And uh, unfortunately, I got the no. Yeah. Um, Before that, my goal was to do 20 years. I thought, the military itself was a good fit for me. It was easy uh, as much as there was hard things to do. It's funny you say that because like most people say, oh my God, that's ter- that's, that must be so difficult. And, it, and it, it it, admittedly it is. It but. is. But for me as a daily, like there was routine, there was, you almost knew what was going to happen before it happened. Right. In most cases, obviously things happen, but it really got to a point where I just, it was easy for me. It was good. It's routine. You know what you do. You know you're going to be tomorrow. You know, you know who you're, you're going to be with. You know you're going to be fed. You know you got a roof over your head. Exactly. Like, it's all structured. Yeah. Um, and then when I got out of the Navy, um, things kind of went downhill for me. Yeah. Um, the first nine months after getting out, I found out a lot of different things between service records and medical records being lost uh, yeah. for myself. And, and now I found out that actually just from my command alone, I know at least 12 people that have had this issue. So for me, I was self-medicating. I was, I was an alcoholic at the point. I didn't really deal with medical at all at that stage. It's that first year, you said, I think, is yeah, when you started year. to go to the VA and then you started getting prescribed again. Yeah, so after the first year, I, I actually stayed in California when I first got out where I was stationed. And uh, after a year, I ended up moving back to Massachusetts, where I'm from. Uh-huh. And, uh, and that's where I got into the VA system and started getting things that I needed. Yeah, and um, unfortunately, because of the medical supplies, uh, medical records, and service record being lost, it was hard for me to get the proper help that I needed. Which is a common thing. Which isn't you're not an anomaly. No, it, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. it happens far too often. Yeah, and that's something that we need to change too. And that's yeah. why I talk about it. For me personally, I, I think I'm grateful because I have all my limbs. I have most of my mind. So there's people out there that have it way worse. Yeah, that really do need that support. And unfortunately, they're not getting it because of paper. Which is um, common. And this goes back to the, the Vietnam generation coming home from war as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, let, let's let's move to your treatment. Maybe let's talk about uh, your treatment and our conversation for the past 24 hours before we started this, this, uh, this talk. Uh, you said something to me about kind of what you've learned over our discussions in the past, past day or so and how that's kind of reshaped your approach to your previous experiences yeah so my experiences uh obviously i thought it was one thing than another from talking to you and seeing the information that you have as it relates to taking antidepressants and lead to getting to the point of doing suicide attempts yeah um it's made me reconsider that you know the things that i thought were possibly the issues may have just been like the triggers but 
it was actually the medications that were really pushing me over that edge. And a lot of it was every time I, including at the 17, I was on medications before that. Um, and my other two attempts, it was always after I got off medications. I was in that withdrawal period, you know, and I never considered that even an option right. until the last 24 hours. Because your second attempt, you said that you'd stopped taking medications two days earlier, you said. Maybe talk, talk through that, how you got to the point where you said, hey, I'm going to stop taking these medications. For the, my second attempt, I, I stopped doing prescription medications uh, about four months before my suicide attempt. Um, at that same time, I was getting off of uh, illegal drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was two days after I got off the last self-medication mm-hmm. uh, where that I did my second suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. So it was it was all within the withdrawal periods. It was... I, I was using cannabis because I'm from a state where it, it was legal medically yeah. at the time. I think you said um, Zoloft you'd been taking. I've been on Zoloft multiple occasions, but I've been on other medications that I honestly, again, I believed in the system. Yeah. Uh, so if they told me I needed it, I, it's not the doctor's fault per se, because they're doing what they can. They got into that field to help people. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's a bigger company. It's a bigger uh, platform that's really controlling them and telling them these things are safe and that there's no side or even the side effects that we can battle with other medications. And yeah. and we don't know the long-term effects of that we're seeing now. Yeah. So we talked about, I told you my story about my physical pain that I experienced in my legs. What you, you said you had a something similar too, right? Yeah. So I always thought I just had bad circulation or I just wasn't consuming enough like calcium or magnesium in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always since uh, especially after getting out of the military when I was on medications and, and going through all these processes, uh, I would get cramps and leg pains and aches, uh, mostly from the waist down for me. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally I'd get like, I get so bad cramps that I would wake up in the middle of the night scream and wow. my feet would curl up. I would lock up and, um, I've been on medications now for about two years off of uh, off medications completely in the first year of this journey where i was still in that withdrawal area ouch uh i cramped a lot a lot and uh in the last say even six months i almost never cramped and you would think so that i would do that because of what i'm doing but my body is like pretty much cleansed itself from those medications from um all the negative stuff so between being active and and uh, my my diet and everything else also helped improve that. Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely more increased when I was on medications. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I can't imagine biking because I, I was doing cycling every day. I was doing cycling classes every day. And I got physical pain to the point where I could barely walk. So I can't imagine biking across the country and up and down mountains <laughs> with, with 150 pounds strapped to the bike. Yeah. I can't imagine the pain he must have been going through. Uh, it was tough. And, you know, that's, I think that's why a lot of the beginning, like we talked about yesterday, is I struggled to even consider that I could actually do what I was, that I'm doing. Uh-huh. Um, and obviously there was a lot of things that helped with that was people that found this journey really useful for themselves too. So that's part of this journey and why it's developed so much is taking that and doing it for myself and really bringing awareness to people by telling my story and, and getting them to realize that they're not alone. So it's, you know, having that tied in, I've had 54 people that haven't committed suicide because of what I'm doing. They heard your story. They so, heard my story or they found me on social media or I crossed paths with them in their moments of need and it's given them hope to continue on. And, and you know, there's other people, uh, hundreds of people that have found inspiration from it that may not have been in that suicidal mind, but yeah. found the reason to either get into cycling or find an activity that's uh, engaging your mind and body, which in my opinion, is more effective than any medication that we take. So what would you, what would you maybe talk through um, some of your experience with these medications when you're going on or coming off of them? Um, what was going on in your life during these times? And then ultimately, what led you to saying, you know what, I'm done with this stuff. Like, I'm, I'm done with this stuff. I'm going to go cycle around America and inspire people. So a lot of it was, uh, again, a lot of the medications I can't even tell you the names of. Um, I just went through the motions and believed them. Definitely Zoloft was definitely one. Uh, yeah, so Sertraline, uh, Celexa. Yeah, Celexa and uh, 
Paxil, I think, was the other one that you looked at and said you're on that one too. Yeah. So, I, and, you know, unfortunately, with being in my uh, diagnosings, mm-hmm. um, my childhood, I had a lot of PTSD issues, uh, mm-hmm. but I was diagnosed as bipolar. Yeah. Um, I was put on those medications. They. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, they actually made my moods either I was extremely happy or I was extremely angry. So it actually did the opposite effect of what it's supposed to do and balance me out. Mm-hmm. It was making me worse. And it was causing me to have issues with my my foster family at the time. Huh. Um, I can't imagine. I've seen this with some kids and and the reactions while being on these medications and how it affects the family unit. Yeah, and it really does. And you know, and these are people that took me in to help get me out of my own negative situations that I was in with my own family. So yeah. to see the the effects that I was causing them when they're all they were trying to do was get me out of those situations. Being on those meds really put me further into it yeah. really it wasn't that they were helping at all it was that they just kept making me feel worse and and if they did feel like they were working it was because things weren't actually that bad at that moment it wasn't that the medication was doing something it was just the triggers that i was dealing with on a life and circumstance level yeah really refined and just felt like the medication was like actually working but when things got bad it made me think about depression more it made me think about the thought of suicide um it gave me the uh it made me think about it so much that when i finally got off medications and i had these withdrawals like i was feeling the aches and the pains and and the like lack of motivation in a sense Mm -hmm. um to the point where it really felt like the best idea was suicide because of all those thoughts that i was having Mm um that was more for the younger ages Uh, the older i got it really kind of got onto heavier medication because of the extent of my suicide attempts. Um, unfortunately, my first one was never reported. That's why I was able to join the military. So for me, it was like when I finally got put on medications after the military, I was zombified. I had no, like, I had friends that passed away and people important to me that, you know, if, if somebody important to you passed away or, yeah. or leaves your life, usually you have some type of reaction to it. I had nothing. I, I literally felt no sadness, no happiness. And that was with anything and everything in life. It, mm. it, you could have told me that I was coming to get killed and most people would go into a panic attack and be like, all right, cool, whatever. Yeah. Like it didn't mean anything to me. And, and kind of like what we were talking about before is, you know, it numbed me to the point where I didn't care what people, if, if it was like, not that I ever stole or anything, but I, I had no care in the world if I did steal. Uh, I had no care in the world if I cut somebody off in a car or, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, it just didn't it didn't affect me. Like where in a normal state of mind and not on medications, you'd been like the common sense would it could That's be. not okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but at that point in time where you're on these medication, I mean, I was on that medication, so I can't talk for everybody, obviously, but we see yeah. common uh, common effects from everybody. It just makes you inhuman. Well, to, something we talked about earlier was uh, the study out of the University of Ottawa on zebra fish. And uh, the two things that it did in as far as the fish behavior is it decreased stress responses from the fish, which you kind of expect with an antidepressant. But the other thing that it decreased was exploratory behaviors. Mm-hmm. And I kind of seemed to have a bit of a reaction when I told you that. And also how it seems to going, not just with the, the individual fish, but baby fish and grandbaby fish. Yeah. yeah. Where, where I could see an aha moment. Like, wait a minute. If it's going down through generations, it sounds like it's genetic. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and when you said that to me, it immediately made me think of my childhood. Yeah. So I was born, my mom, unfortunately, was in and out of psychotic, uh, psychotic hospitals most of my childhood. Uh-huh. Um, even before I was born, she was in and out. Yeah. Um, she's been on medications her entire life, yep. pretty much, especially yep. since she was a teenager. She was born in 69, so she was late 70s, yeah. maybe early 80s when she got put on medications. Um, obviously, a lot of her issues was uh, events that dealt with her, but yeah. medications uh, ended up putting her in, psych- in, in my thoughts. Psychiatric hospitals. hospitals yeah. and, and that's why I saw her there. And I was born while she was on medication and unfortunately using drugs of legal and illegal stuff. So it, um, it got to a point now that you said that, like, I could have been affected by the medication she was taking and never even put that together as an option yeah. because I never knew the information. Another story that I've heard from others is that they 
there, like you said, with your mom, she was in and out of psychiatric hospitals. Uh, other folks, uh, their parents have had similar experiences. And as they take another look at this, uh, their lives through a different lens and how medications may have played a role in, in some of these things and their life events, you see them quickly putting together how maybe their parent hadn't been uh, completely disabled or uh, their issues were biological in nature, but instead that they had been manufactured by the medication and their parents had been on a series of antipsychotics or antidepressants or benzodiazepines throughout their lives. And their parents were permanently disabled for, for all of their lives. And I've got another friend that was very upset by learning that. Yeah, unfortunately, my mom is permanently disabled. Um, she's not to an extent of maybe worse off as some people, but she can't work. She can't do certain things in life because of medications and yeah. her her events that she's had to deal with. So yeah, absolutely, I do. I you know, especially knowing that information now that I didn't know even twenty four hours ago, I could see that that connection to you know her deplete in the sense of being able to put into those hospitals. And you know, if it wasn't for the fact that she was going through these things and being put on these new drugs and and make it so that you can live life happy. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, that didn't happen for her. And, and it's continued through my siblings and me. And like, I have siblings that are really struggling with this. They, not that they isolate themselves, but they isolate. Yeah. They don't, they don't explore as much as like. It has to really make you pause and kind of, as, as we talked about some of these studies, I was the same way. It's kind of like, wow. I vanished from social media for a couple of years yeah. and I'd show up once a year for Student Veterans America's national convention and then I'd disappear for the other 12 months. And that was just the one way that my friends noticed it. Yeah. But in that period of time, I also, for two years, I just collapsed into a small circle of my parents, my brother and sister-in-law, and uh, one of my close friends and his spouse. That was it. I didn't really talk to anybody else. Yeah, it's crazy how that, like, when you think about it, like, and most of the time, like I said, the most, for me, it was like, for me to isolate was, my thought process was, I just have to figure it out on my own. Nobody's going to help me. Yeah. I never considered it to be part of the, the uh, like, the effects of the medication that I was on. I yeah. never considered that to be an option. Yeah. And looking back on it now, it's like, every time I isolated, I was on medication. Yeah. And... And now I'm doing a journey across the country exploring things that I've never done in my life or never even considered. Because if you told me two years ago when I started bicycling, hey, you're going to go across the country, even across the country, never mind. Not just across the country, but to every, every, all 48 states. If you told me that I was just going straight across, I would have told you you're crazy. And like, I would have never even considered it. It was after I got off the medications that this, like, started planning this trip. I started considering all these as an options, like, I'm just, I'm, it's kind of humorous because I'm sitting here thinking you're going from isolation and not exploring anything to I'm going to explore everything. everything. Yeah, I went from the negative extreme to the full extreme. Yeah, you know, it's crazy because when I tell people, oh, I'm, bike, uh, I'm on a bike going across the country or doing the lower 48 states there, their first instinct is, oh, what type of motorcycle you got? No, I'm on a bicycle. And, just like, <laughs> and it's funny because, like, even doing it, like, Sometimes it's almost like, man, how can I comprehend that? Right. And these people that have never rode bicycles or don't ride it on a long term or long distance scale, they're just like, yeah, that's impossible. Yeah. I've had people that are like, so where's the vehicle that you get in and go to the next day? I'm like, no, no, I, I, I ride to each day. Yeah. No, you let you left uh, Massachusetts what a year and a half ago, and yeah. you just you're just gone. Yeah. So I left Massachusetts. Uh, well, I left home. Yeah. Uh, March 5th of 2018. What was that like, packing up for the last time and just leaving? A mix of feelings. Uh, part of me was either I'm going to be successful at this or I'm going to end up back into my negative thoughts. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, at least I said I can give it a try. But, uh, you know, my fate, my thought of suicide was kind of almost gone for the most part at okay. that point. Um, and at that point, you'd been off the medication for a certain period of time? So Six I got off the medication like. in August of 2017. Uh-huh. Um, I left in March of 2018. So I was still going to that withdrawal period, but I was gung-ho. I was being exercised. You've gotten through a lot of the acute stuff. Yeah. The suicidal ideation, the aggressive behaviors, that stuff has kind of come clean and now you're... 
and for me personally, at the beginning of my journey, the first four, about first four months of this mm-hmm. was New England. That's home for me. So I wasn't out of my comfort zone. I was right. still, I tell people New England, the six, first six states on my journey was my farewell tour. Seeing the people that I knew in those states and say, hey, uh, I don't plan on coming back. Yeah. And I haven't been back. And, I, and the only reason I will go back is to visit, but with the, with already in place that I'm leaving. But yeah, even the first year of just hurting and even the first almost a year mm-hmm. on the road, I dealt with pain. Yeah. Uh, I'll say the first 10 months, which would put me about a year and a half of being off medication. Which is uh, how long had you been on the medication up until that point? And that, well, unfortunately, I've been on and off. At that point, I was only on it for about six months, um, on and off for years. And that was Zoloft and a couple of other drugs. Yeah. Zoloft was my biggest one that I had been on and off of. And then uh, usually there were four or five other meds total. How does it feel to you now kind of being able to connect a lot of that physical pain that you experienced in that first year of your ride with the medication? Because like it was, because you, when we first started talking, you never associated, you you thought you were in a lot of pain that first year, but you thought you were probably just stiff and sore. Yeah, I thought it was just because of the routine. Um, But I also dealt with this pain before this trip like in high school i played football i would cramp every day and i never i would drink fluids all the time it wasn't like i should be cramping um or in like body aches and so just describe the body aches like the the, the pain because you let's talk maybe about your cycling experience and how that how that played a role in the pain like what was it your calves your feet so for a lot of it it was like my joints like the actual yeah. joints itself and the muscles but for cramping wise it was definitely my feet yeah. and from literally the hips down, just on fire. Yeah. Um, but and daily, I'm unrelenting. It was almost every day. Yeah. But you know, it's kind of like anybody else. And I actually, I just posted this on my uh, my social media pages. Like I just went to the chiropractor last week, uh-huh. and I have been avoiding it because I thought maybe it would just fix itself. But I've had I had back pain, uh, and that's mostly because of my book bag I carry. But yeah. um, I had back pain that I've dealt with for the last three months, roughly. Uh-huh. And the pain at the beginning of those three months was higher. Uh-huh. And it's kind of like anything else. We get used to that pain. And that, that peak of pain yeah. becomes our, our normal. So that's kind of where I was at. Was, I was going through this pain so often and dealing with it on a daily basis that it just became not numb, but like a normal person that gets that pain for the first time, they're at like an eight or nine pain level. And then over time, it's like, oh, I'm at like a four. Yeah. And really, if you put that same pain that you're dealing with at that four yeah. to somebody else, they're like, holy, how do you deal with this? Yeah. And uh, and that's the, that was where I was at. It sounded like for, for a short period of time, it was like almost a showstopper. Yeah, it really was. It was the first four months was definitely the toughest of this journey for me. And that was because I was obviously I was going through mountains and that's what I was tying it to is yeah, the trip itself. You know, I'm going through these hilly areas. I'm doing. I'm riding 60 something miles a day, whatever it was. Sure. And, and that was what I tied it to. And, you know, that, that's anybody that's never considered this as like the alternative and the actual cause to it. Yeah. Like I, I didn't even put it, I'd never even considered the big medications that were giving me that withdrawal or yeah. that pain. Yeah. And uh, so it was, in the last 24 hours, it's, it's been to a point where it's like, I can almost, Every single time I got off medication and the three suicide attempts that I did was within usually six months to a year of being off medication. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and for the longest time, I thought that they were, they were the ones that were preventing me from being off. Like, so it took me a year to get off of Zoloft. But like I, when I first found out that I was trapped on it, I was, I was pretty, pretty upset. I, I found myself trapped on a medication that I no longer wanted to be on. And I had not been warned that I could be stuck on this drug. And the the thing that kept me on the drug wasn't behavioral. It wasn't my depression came back. It wasn't, which it did. It wasn't anxiety or panic, which I was having. It was a physical pain that uh, every time I'd get down to uh, zero, I, my pain, my, about a week later, my physical pain would peak and to the point where it was stopping me from daily functioning. I can't imagine stop, just stopping during any of that time because I, I had three attempts where I got to the point where I stopped and thought I was done. And then like two weeks, three weeks, a month later, a month and a half later, I start having physical symptoms again. 
And once the point where I started having physical pain, I realized that like, if I've got physical pain and I'm a month in, I've been a nightmare to those around me for the past two to three weeks. And so, uh, I mean, I guess the plus side, you're on a bike by yourself for the most part. So you weren't, weren't able to be a brat. <laughs> yeah. No, and, you know, and for that purpose, it, people, I, obviously, there's always somebody that I have to vent to. That's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, with going through uh, medication uh, withdrawals or, or just life withdrawals of sorts. Yeah. It's important to talk to people. You know, we were talking about that when we were watching one of your other videos is, you know, people get prescribed all these medications, but they're not talking about what's actually the underlying issues. Yeah. And uh, all these medications are doing is making us worse because yeah. one, they don't know the long-term effects of it. Right. But two, they're not fixing the problem that's actually causing it. Yeah. So they're just prescribing medications and prescribing medications on top of those medications to counteract whatever those are dealing with. Yeah. And now it's uh, two years later, they're still on those medications. They're like, they're stuck and they're stuck and yeah. they're, Either they get immune to that medication, like, oh, we'll just switch your medications. Yeah. But they're still not dealing with the issues. Right. And if we just got off those medications and really focused on dealing with the issues at hand that are causing us to have to take these medications. Personal life, previous trauma, uh, economic issues, housing issues. Yeah. All these All these different things. And what it it comes down to is stress. Um, And something that's worked for me on this journey is I've talked about it so much. I've gotten comfortable telling my story. Yeah. Whereas every time I tell somebody what I've gone through, yeah. it's like I, a piece of that goes away. Yeah. And I've never, and up to this point, I'm in the best physical and mental state of my entire life. And I'm on no medications. Yes. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's amazing. And like, you can tell, like you look good. You look great. You look fit, fit, you look happy. You look like, uh, I mean, you look like you've been riding a bicycle for the past year and a half, <laughs> but like you look strong, but like you also like, you look like you're enjoying yourself, which, uh, which admittedly, uh, is, I think we, we talked about this as well as like, I good on you for bicycling across the country. Then you're camping along the way and tenting along roadsides a whole bit. Uh, and I think that's amazing. But the struggle that I had was if I were to do it, I'd have to map up my hotel route. Yeah, like, yeah. Obviously, I, I think it's brave and I think it's amazing. But after my past three years of hell and stuff that I went through, I'm like, quality of life is kind of important to me at this point. And that's totally fine. What I, the way I do my journey, and the reason why I do it the way I do is so that you know, there's people out there that want have these dreams of either traveling the country or bicycling across the country. Yeah, they're like, I need twenty thousand dollars to be able to do it. Yeah, I'm showing them that they can do it with almost nothing. Yeah. Uh, except the generosity of good people. Yeah. But if you were to save, say, six to 10 grand, you could get a hotel every night and eat to dinner every night and not yeah. worry about it. But, you know, it's just, I'm doing it at the base level so that people can be like, all right, I, I'm going to do the same thing, except I'm going to make sure I have the hotel room. I'm going to make sure I got my meals. Right. I'm not going to carry 150 pounds of stuff. Right. <laughs> so, Which watching you unpack and pack up your bike is like, that is an operation. It is. It is a full blown operation. Uh, you've got about a half a dozen packs or more that attach to your bike yep. with like clips and mounts and like it, like there's a system to it. Watching you get up, get get ready to get on the road. There is. It's, <laughs> uh, I think I got eight bags, eight bags, nine bags. Uh-huh. So they are, and they all go on the bike. I carry one on my back. Uh-huh. So it all fits on there. If I was to give you the bike and you never saw me put it together, like mount it up, you'd probably sit there and be like. Where does this all go? You know, I, I show them the extreme, sure, and, and either the extreme low side of things or even the extreme amount of gear, right? Like if you're doing this, if you're doing a tour for four months, yeah, you don't need the winter and summer gear. I carry everything because I'm out in it all year round, yeah. Um, and I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, yeah. So I think it's just so cool that you just like I'm I'm going to go on I'm going to do this ride and I'm just not going back until I'm done. Yep. I, th- I think you've had some of your friends uh, uh, jokingly nickname you Lieutenant Dan, but it's, it is very gump of you yeah. to do this trip. And I mean that in the most positive compliments I could possibly put together for you. No, and it's funny <laughs> that you bring that up too. Is like Lieutenant Dan became my nickname in the military. Uh-huh. I was never a lieutenant. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, when I'm clean shaven and clean cut, you mm-hmm. know, I, I guess we, I look a little bit like him. Yeah. 
It's just you know, cool. Like it, and also knowing what Gary Sinise now does, right. the, uh, the actor that played Lieutenant Dan and he's so Forrest Gump, huge military support, huge, huge. Uh, his, his Gary Sinise Foundation has done amazing things for the veterans community. Between that and the Lieutenant Dan Baron, like I saw him in boot camp. Oh yeah, in our A school uh, in schooling, I saw him. Yeah, they came and do free concerts for the military all over the world. Uh-huh. I met him years ago, and he's just he's such a, a friendly, warm guy. person. And so uh, how this ties into you being Forrest Gump here. Yeah, so when I decided to study this project, like my friends were like, dude, you're going to be like the Forrest Gump on a bicycle. I was like, it's perfect. My nickname for now, it's been over 10 years. Uh-huh. It's been 10 it was almost like, as much as it's hard to believe, it was like I was almost destined to do this project. So like uh-huh. being right with Dan USA, Forrest Gump had people following him. They sure. didn't know why they were following him. The only difference between me and him is I know my purpose. and I know... Uh, my my goal of like for suicide awareness, but you know, regardless, he did it and he had followers. Yeah, people that wanted to be with. And this is certainly happening with you. Like, I mean, the the, the news coverage of of you along your path here is uh, it's really neat. It's really impressive. I mean, that that's that's why I reached out as I saw you on my local TV station. Yeah, uh, on Facebook, and uh, like, hey, like this guy's doing something really interesting. It's really cl- closely tied with what I'm working on. I'd really love to talk with him and. Uh, if it weren't for um, rainstorms in my schedule, which again, brave on you, yeah. uh, I'd, I'd, I'd love to jump wrong, jump along and ride along with you. Uh, oh, hey, my I'm bike's on... in the garage and ready to go. So, hey, just so you know, if you ever decide I got just under two years left, you can come join uh, me anytime. <laughs> I, I, I please count me in. I probably will be doing just just that anytime. And, and I tell that to anybody and everybody that's called Ride Again for a reason. Uh, it's USA because obviously I'm doing the USA. Yeah. Um, but I have people that actually ride with me occasionally. Uh-huh. Um, but even still, because of the modern age, people that follow me on social media, people that see my posts and see my journey as it unfolds, yeah, really are part of it, even if they're not on a bicycle. Yeah. So, as you know, Mad America is international. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so this Mad America radio is served around the world. Uh, I guess we talked. You you said USA is your current plan, but. You, you you wanted to branch out internationally, I think, as you mentioned. I do. Um, obviously, the right, USA is a little easier. There's not um, you don't have to get visas to go to states. That's right. why I started with this. I'm doing twenty five thousand miles, so it's, it's coming to the earth. So this is my training to go around the world. Cool. Uh, in in shortness, you know that's yeah. that's what it is. So let's not get ourselves overcommitted right now. But <laughs> jokingly, people always ask like, "No love for Alaska or Hawaii." <laughs> <laughs> And uh, they're not, they're just not part of the continental. That's it. And it's, um, not, and it's not that you're afraid of grizzly bears. No. And you haven't hit Montana yet. No. You, you, you said you didn't necessarily like the, the copperheads that you're into in some of the southern states. Yeah. So I've been, it's crazy because I've been involved with, uh, I had an alligator at one time. Uh, wake up, I popped out of my tent as an alligator sitting there. Whoa. Uh, that was in Florida. I've had a bear circle my tent in Vermont. Um, had a raccoon in. Also Vermont, actually. See, the raccoon uh, might almost be the most afraid of the raccoon. So, you know, and, and there's been other animals and other encounters, but, you know, and that's part of this journey is to show, like, I, I tell people this journey is like life. It's a bicycle journey, but it's, it's a life journey. You know, there's opposites, downs, there's flat spots, there's eventful things, uneventful things. Yeah. Um, there's discouragement at times, there's encouragement at times. Yeah. And literally, it's just a, a a smaller version of what life is and i think that's why so many people have resonated with it is because i'm not just showing them the good times like a lot of people on social media do i'm i'm showing i cry on social media i i'm telling them when i'm struggling i'm showing them when i'm struggling i'm mm-hmm. showing them when i'm trying to and climb into the top of something mm-hmm. i'm showing people when hey i got a car ride this, this is me getting my escape code and even that like for a car ride I almost refused a car ride my the first year of my trip, huh. um, except I had three car rides, and that was in my third state. Um, other than that, I didn't get a car ride until Florida, and that was only because I crashed. Uh, I got rear-ended by a car and shattered my rear wheel. Oh, well. Um, so a veteran buddy of mine that I was actually going to stay with ended up coming and picking me up. No kidding. Since then, I've had 17 rides, 18 rides now. But well, that's not very much considering you've been to 26 states. I've been to 26 states. I've been on the road for 16 months. Really, it's just, <laughs> if you think about it, it's, it's really not that much. It's crazy because, like I said, the first three were, the first nine months were 
just three. Yeah. And in the last, well, in the last uh, seven months, really, yeah, I've gotten the other fifteen. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but I've also. I reach, I'm going to places that I never planned on going with my route, like here in Northern Michigan. Yeah. Did not have it on my route to even come up here. Yeah. Um, so where I already have 25 miles, 25,000 miles planned, it's almost like I can cheat a little bit to get. To yeah. Cause you're putting out extra miles to visit places just because, because hey, of, you want to check it out. And like, just so happens Northern Michigan is one of the most beautiful areas of the country. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know about it. <laughs> It was funny watching it look out over over Lake Michigan over the bluffs, and you're like, "I know it's not salt water. I know it's not, but I don't. It's like a sea. It is. It really is. And it's yeah. just weird that it's fresh water, and it's yeah, it's so clean. It looks like if it wasn't that I already knew that it was fresh water, and yeah. I had come here from somewhere else that I've never heard of Great Lakes, yeah. I would have thought it was a bay. Yeah, I would have thought it was a salt lake or something to that. Yeah, and, and what's also crazy is you're going from uh, some of the bottom points of your life where you thought that the only option out is suicide to to finding purpose and in being the happiest I've ever been. It's, and that's what I've talked about pe- to people when I do this journey and yeah. I do motivational speeches and, and speak to the news is just because we're going through a tough time now, as long as that heart beats, we have purpose. We may not know that purpose, yeah, but it's up to us to go find it. And, and, I, and I tell people all the time, this is, five years somebody tried to get me on a bicycle the guy that got me on a bicycle tried for five years before this. Mm-hmm. And i rode motorcycles so a pedal bike was a downgrade uh no way yeah but that was my mind shutting it out before i even gave it an opportunity yeah and really if you look at it the activities that we enjoyed as kids yeah even if your childhood was, because my child wasn't great yeah but riding a bike was fun it yeah. was my escape as a kid it was yeah you know the people that like to run around and play tag or whatever are the people that go running nowadays. They, right. they just go further. Yeah. And same thing with biking. We would ride around the neighborhood and now I'm riding around the country. What would you say uh, to others who may be going through challenging times or maybe withdrawing from these medications? What would be your message to them? Well, people that are going through tough times and withdrawn, it's definitely important, first of all, to find some type of activity that engages your mind and your body. You have to keep yourself stimulated. You're obviously going to deal with deal with withdrawals of what life issues that you dealt with or medications, um, but it's it gets easier and long you keep pushing forward and just worry about today and that's why it's one pedal at a time. It's mm-hmm. limited in the moment. Deal with some of the electrical shocks for now because ultimately you're going to get through it. Exactly, you're going to get through it and and really, like I said, the first year was me figuring out my own stuff on mm-hmm. this journey. Year two now. It's about focusing on other people. So I've gotten past my my toughness because I just kept pushing forward. It wasn't obviously I kept looking back and seeing my past and that I was planning my future because I planned out the route. Yeah, but I haven't stuck to the plan. Your original your original uh, mission here was self recovery. Yeah, and, and that was wrong. your first twelve months, and now it's you're past that and you're recovered. Now it's hey everybody like we can do this together. Yeah. You're not alone. Exactly. And that's yeah. the thing is people that are struggling now uh, with the withdrawals of anything, it's important to like reach out to people. And, you know, for so many years, we've always been told that if you're struggling, tell somebody, mm-hmm. I don't like the word somebody um, with somebody you have expectations. And unfortunately for myself and so many other people that I've talked to on this journey, it's like we wear blinders, mm-hmm. you know, I need to talk to Derek and Derek alone. And you got 10 people saying, Hey Dan, I'll help you. I'll help you. And you're just like, no, I need Derek now. Yeah. And, and you can help me and get me through what I needed. But because I expected your help, you, you'll never meet my expectation. Yeah. And unfortunately that's what a lot of people deal with is they have these expectations. Yeah. If you don't expect any help, you're going to get more help and you're going to get better quality help because you're not expecting. Yeah. But it's important to reach out to people. So I tell everyone, tell everybody. You know, if you tell ten people yeah. what you're dealing with, I found that very rewarding as well. I, like when I share share my experiences with people, I, I have gotten more stories from others uh, about either medications or challenging times of their lives, almost on a daily basis at this point. And I've realized, like, if I don't, if I hadn't shared my story originally, 
that these other people might have continued suffering alone and they wouldn't have known that this is normal. Like these feelings and emotions are normal and it's okay to be depressed and sad sometimes. Problem is, is that when we're medicated and unable to respond to some of the stimuli around us, that's when this depression or this these pains add up to the point where there are real problems. And unfortunately with the withdrawals and medications is, you know, for so long that we were numb to those those thoughts and those feelings that we were supposed to be going through. That they're coming we, back in a waterfall. It's like a waterfall, it's a flood. And yeah. it's important to in the best way possible of saying that it's like building a dam. You need to build a dam and let one thing at a time come by. Anything that we do in life, it has to happen one at a time. We yeah. can pretend that we can like obviously we can breathe and, and see and talk at the same time or whatever yeah. it is, but everything happens one at a time. It's one breath, whatever it is. So take that into perspective and take that and know you can only work on one issue at yeah. a time. Don't try to take it all on. Just say, hey, I'm going to do this thing today. Thing. And yep. that day, do that. If it's not done with that one day, do it again the next day. Yeah. And every day is a new day. And it's, and it's not a life or death mm-hmm. thing. Everything that you think is, or you may have made up in your head is this is this has to happen. Otherwise, my life's going to be a failure, or nothing's going to work out if this thing, this one thing, doesn't work out. That's not true. If that was the case, I, then we wouldn't be we here. We wouldn't be here exactly because I lost everything. A lot of my issue was I got off my for my third attempt. I got off drugs legally and illegal, like permanently. You haven't was, drank in seven years, you said. Just about seven years, yeah. yeah. And then it's been over two years for everything else at this point. Yeah, I'm happier than I've ever, literally ever in my entire life from ben. childhood. Yeah, from as, my earliest memory of like five years old, sure, to now, the last year has been the most amazing in my entire life. Rewarding and rewarding, absolutely. Because, yeah. like I said earlier, I've had 54 people. I've had hundreds of people that have been inspired by this. Yeah, I was happy with just finding my own self. Yeah, and and the first person that was found something out of this mm-hmm. was the biggest reward ever. And everybody else, like obviously, I want more first more person people. that found something out of this. What, what do you mean? So, first woman that I dealt with, uh, and you, I don't know, you probably heard this on the interview, is because um, I talk about it a lot. It's how much it means to me. Is I was riding down the road. I was doing this journey again for myself. So anybody that I came across. I needed validation. Mm-hmm. I needed some people to follow my journey to keep me validated. Yeah. And so I stopped to talk to this woman two mile, uh, for two minutes. I was a half mile away from a bridge that I crossed. It's one of those valley bridges, so it's really deep but short. Yeah. She was a half mile from it. Yep. Stopped to talk to her for two minutes. Hey, I'm bicycling in the 48 states. Here's my card. Check it out. All right, I gotta get going. I gotta make it to my. Which you're just about shameless with, which is really amazing. You talk to everybody, like everywhere watching you go around, like you you make new friends everywhere you go. And it wasn't always the case. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, that takes time. Yeah. I was in a lot of ways. I was an introvert. Um, yeah. Unless I knew you or knew you through somebody else, even then, it took time for me yeah. to get used to. But um, if I knew you, I was you would never have thought I was yeah. like that. But yeah. Um, so yeah, so you were t- you were talking to this young woman. So I talked to her for two minutes, told her what I was doing. Yeah. said, I got to go, got to get to my destination. From the beginning of my journey, I was focused on making it to where I needed to go. Sure. Um, which changed since. I just kind of go with the flow and yeah. wherever I'm meant to be, well, it will be. Didn't know anything about what she was dealing with. Never got to that in the conversation. Yeah. Went on my way. She messaged me later on, uh, a few days later. She was planning on jumping off that bridge that day. Wow. And instead, because of the transaction that we had, she was like, maybe I'm not supposed to do this, went home, and went and got help. Mm. And uh, when she told me that... Just broke down. At that point, I was still going... It was still early enough where I was dealing with the withdrawals and stuff like that, but I thought she was pulling my leg. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, this isn't... There's no way. Yeah. Then it kept happening. I've had 10 people in person... 11 people now, actually. 11 people that I've crossed paths with that were on their, on their issue of suicidal thoughts and going to act on that suicidal tendency yeah. that I crossed paths with. And they, and they realized, no, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't the this option. Isn't the option. This, this is not for me. Even though they were dead set on. You know, it's things like that that yeah. it's just so rewarding. that That's why I keep going. It's, yeah. As much as these people look 
as much as they didn't realize it at the time or even feel they're looking to this journey for their motivation to keep going in life. Yeah. If I was to quit today, not that I would ever hope that that'd be the case, but I feel like some of them may be like, well, if he can't finish it, then how can I keep going? No, I think, I think your inspiration is, uh, has made the impact that, that it needed to. Yeah. I, I think if you stop today that you, people that, that you've inspired so far would be totally good with knowing, knowing what you did and what you did to impact their lives. So, uh, you know, and obviously that's what I hope and that's the intent that I want them to have. But yeah, in the back of my mind, I still have to think about the negative side of those things. Like if I quit today, 25 of those people might not be here tomorrow. It's, it's not necessarily the lives you've already impacted, but you're talking about the right. lives that you're going to continue to impact. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so for that, like, um, this, and, I, and people ask me why I call it a mission. It's, I'm, yeah. it's this mission. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm dedicated to it and I want to see this thing through there. There's days where I'm like, man, I don't know if I can do it. Yeah. I just think of those people. And I, just like when they're struggling, I'm hoping that they think about my journey and sure. where, where, what, what's going on. And be like, you know, if this guy can do it, yeah. And he can make it through. I can do this. I just yeah. got to keep going and pushing forward. Yeah. And so that's that's the most rewarding thing in my entire life. Well, Dan, it's really it's it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you. It's an inspiration hearing about what you're doing. Uh, I, I really look forward to following you on the rest of your journey. For anybody who's listening, would like to follow Dan on his journey. It's uh, ridewithdanusa.com. Uh, he's also on Facebook. If you want to keep updated with his travels, you can go there. Uh, if you'd like to join him, I know he loves lo- loves uh, what, what do we call the followers or the yeah, the, uh, the, the, the Mr. Forrest uh, brought along. Yep, the followers, the people that have wanted to be part of the journey. You know, I always encourage people to do it. It's called Ride with Dan for a reason. But yeah. unfortunately, not everybody's able to just leave their jobs or yeah. uh, stuff like that. So I, that's why I encourage people to follow through social media. Or if you're passing through a town and you just want to go for a ride for a couple miles on the road and. Have a chat. That too. So. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's something that's on my website. They can see my projected route. It's projected, it's not the actual route. Sure. Um, but if I'm coming through their areas, you know, feel free to reach out. Let's let's connect, let's talk, whatever it is. Yeah. It's what this journey is about. It, as much as I have a projected route, again, it's it's the journey that's gonna take you where it's gonna take you. Exactly. Yeah. And northern Michigan was one of those places. Well, uh, Dan, thanks a lot for joining us at Madden America. Uh, I wish you the the best of luck and greatest success uh, with every pedal at a time. And uh, please stay in touch and we'll look forward to following you on your travels. So uh, for everyone else joining for Mad America, this is our, our, our first uh, podcast, Mad America Radio for Veterans Initiatives. And if you'd like to continue to follow us, go to Madden America forward slash veterans. And you can learn more about what we're doing to help educate and share with others within the veterans, military, military families, communities. So. Thanks again for joining, and we look forward to seeing you and following you as well. So, Dan, thanks a lot for for joining us, and thanks a lot for everything that you're doing for our country and our world. No problem. Enjoy it. And if uh, if anybody actually wants to see my nonprofit, uh, they can check it out at opaatmovement.com. One one, one One pedal at a time. time. All right. Well, Dan, thanks again. Thank you for listening to the Madden America podcast. Visit maddenamerica.com for more news, views, and updates.